G'day friends, welcome back to Season 2 of The Mandalorian, and tonight, Chapter 9, The Marshal, is what it's called. It's directed by Jon Favreau, this episode, and it's so fucking good. Let's get into it. First of all, um, I will never mean a spoiler warning more than when it has to do with new Star Wars content. Spoiler warning, big time. This episode only came out five and a half hours ago. Okay, it is very, very brand new. So if you're interested, go and fucking get Disney Plus so you can watch this show and just oh, let it let it fill up all the Star Wars needs you could ever possibly have. Oh, oh my word. Okay, so this episode, right? First of all, it's 54 minutes long, which is longer than any of the episodes in season one, which makes me very, very excited. Like, like if, if all of the rest of the episodes are... In this season, uh, 50 minutes plus, even 45 minutes plus. Oh, 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 I'll be so excited. So much time that they can jam in so much excitement. When I saw it was 50, 54 minutes long, I was like, yo, yes, this is going to be great. And it was so, so great. So we start off on, I believe it's an unknown planet. It was not a planet that was familiar to me. We're not there for very long anyway. Um, Mando. Is, is off on his journey to uh, deliver the child, baby Yoda, if you will, back to his people. And he is looking for other Mandalorians to help him. Mandalorians who might know a little bit more than he does, right? So he goes and talks to this guy, this Gamorian, in this, like, underground fight club where they're watching two other Gamorian guards fighting in this ring, which is pretty cool. Uh, and the, the guy says that there are, or there is a, he has intel, very vague intel, I guess, that there is a Mandalorian on Tatooine. And as soon as he said Tatooine, I was like, we're getting Boba Fett in this episode. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, we are. And oh, yes, we did. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, for those of you who don't know, Boba Fett... Officially, you know, it was canonized a good while ago that he did survive the Sarlacc pit. Um, I don't know if it is officially canon of exactly how he survived, because there's a little thing in this episode that I think may be a clue as to how he may have escaped. But either way, he's back and he's in this episode. Because it's on Tatooine and there's heaps of other good shit in this episode too. So, also, just a little thing um, in, in this 
in this city that we're on this unknown planet. There's all this graffiti on all the walls and there's this one little bit. It, it is a imitation or, you know, it's an exact replica of the, the design of C-3PO from the Rebels series. So his design, there is a graffiti-ized picture of him on one of the walls. It's very quick, but it's a cool little thing that they put in there. Okay, so you can, you can, you can. It, it might be eleven thirty at night, but I am. I've, I've watched the episode three times, and I'm just so I'm shaking with excitement. This is what this stuff does to me, right? So we go to Tatooine. We're back on one of the best planet, probably the best planet in Star Wars. It may, it may just be desert. In fact, it is almost completely desert, but there, there is, there is Star Wars goodness that can be mined from this planet and it is endless. It is infinite. Right? First thing we learn, we actually learn this from the guy on the other planet is that there is a new city on Tatooine. It's not new as in it's just been built. It's new to us. Up until now, all that we knew about was that there was Moss Eisley and Moss Espa. But now there is Moss Pelgo, which is very, very cool to me. And then you've got all that you are just bombarded with amazing little Easter eggs. This this episode is just a feast for for Star Wars fans. The the more Star Wars that you've seen, the movies and the shows, the more that you know, the more you can get out of this show. This show is just a thank you to the fans who have watched Rebels and Clone Wars and, and the movies dozens of times, right? So many... So I believe for the first time in live action, I'm, as far as I know, this is the first time we've seen actual romp, Womp Rats. Right? Womp Rats are very, very famous. You know, Luke says... When, he, when he's talking about his marksmanship skills, he says, I used to bullseye womp rats in my, what was he say, T-16 or something back home. So now we've actually seen what womp rats look like, and they kind of look like little bilbies. My non-Australian listeners know what a bilby is. They're kind of like little bilbies, and they've got this little pig nose, and they're like hairless, but, you know, very, very cool to see some of them. Um, Mando lands back in the in the sort of mechanic shop that he went to in season one. So we see the same lady played by Amy's Sedaris, uh, I think her name is. So it's cool to see her back. She really likes uh, the child. She thinks he's super cute. Um, she says this great line. She says, if he ever divides or buds, I will gladly pay for the offspring. What a great line. That's such a good line. Such a Star Wars line too. When the, the first time that she's on screen, she's holding this little little thing She's working on a pod racer engine, like a bit, one of the big sort of engines that go on either side of a pod racer. And she's holding this little thing in her hand, and I'm pretty sure it is the exact um, implement or, you know, part of the engine that Sebulba breaks off before the pod race in Phantom Menace to fuck with Anakin's pod racer. I think it's the exact same thing, which is just another cool little thing. And then we get to see... R5. Uh, he has a broken power, um, broken, what is it? A bad motivator. That's right. Uh, he's got a bad motivator five. The droid that Luke and Uncle Owen almost buy 
before they buy C-3PO and R2-D2. The droid who, <laughs> if he doesn't absolutely shit himself, our story from all the way back in A New Hope never even gets going. Right? So, so cool. To, like, what, a just, what an absolutely random thing to have a callback to. But it's so, so cool to just see a little droid like R5 pop back up. So many... Like, it's only, you know, it's not even, it's like 10 years later in the actual, you know, in R2, in R5's life, I should say. But it's, what, 1977 was when we saw R5. So, what's that, 43 years ago. Is that right? 40, yeah, 43 years. Like, such a great little Easter egg. You can even see, like, one of the flaps on the top of his head. All, it's all got all this shit leaking out of it. That's like... The marks left over from when his head sort of popped open. When he, oh, it's it's so so good. I love it so much. Um, so he hangs out with her for a bit, and then Mando heads off because she she tells him where this city Moss Pelgo is. Off Mando goes, and then we get all these really really cool Western vibes. Right, so Mando's zipping off through the desert and then he comes up on the town and he rolls into town really slow it's like he's riding it and it's just it's your classic western town just buildings on one side and then on the other of the street and that's about it right it's a really old western style town here he rides his speeder bike or his horse if you will very slowly through the street with plenty of onlookers just staring, not saying anything, and then he pulls up in front of the tavern, right? And then he walks in, right? A really, really cool Western vibes. We even get like a little almost Mexican standoff a few moments later. On on his way to the town, it, ta- it takes him a couple of days to get there, so he stops overnight and he camps out with these... Oh, hi, Obi. He, he camps out with these Tuscan Raiders. And this episode is almost all about the Tuscan Raiders and there is a lot of time put into make it into humanizing them right which really brings a whole new meaning to what Anakin did to not just the men but the women and the children too in in um clone in Attack of the Clones there is all this great so we learnt in season one that when he was on Tatooine, that Mando could communicate with the Tusken Raiders with sign language, right? But we learn in this episode that not only can he do that, but he can also speak their language, which is such a cool thing. He even has one of their little horrifying-looking Tusken dog things wagging its little tail because he can speak the language. He, like, says a couple of words, and then he says, oh, come here. (laughs) And it comes over wagging its tail, and he gives it a pat. Like, I love that stuff. Like... What an interesting choice to take, you know, a species that we've seen heaps of times. All we know about them is that they, you know, like that they are raiders, right? Everyone calls them sand people. But, you know, we learned in last season that they're actually, you know, they are the original inhabitants of Tatooine. They've lived there for thousands of years, which we learned in this episode, right? So, you know, they, they are just, they're just living, right? And they're just trying to get by. They're not bad by nature. Sometimes they do bad things, 
but they are not bad by nature, which is a really, really interesting thing to explore. Really, I, I love all the stuff about the Tuscan Raiders in this episode. So, yeah, yeah. So Mando rolls into Mos Pelgo, and we meet the Marshal, played by Timothy Oliphant. Oliphant? It's getting a bit Lord of the Rings. Oliphant? Anyway. But he is wearing Boba Fett's armor. Or Boba. Boba Fett? Boba Fett's armor. Why are you wearing Boba Fett's armor, Timothy? Hmm? When, when, so Mando's at the bar in this, you know, in this tavern, if you will. And then there this dude is at the, in the doorway, the marshal, wearing Boba Fett's green armor. When I saw that, I was like, like, I didn't, I didn't, like, I didn't think it was him at first. I kind of, like, apparently people knew that this character, whose name is Cobb Vanth, that's Oliphant's character's name, the marshal, Cobb Vanth. They knew that his character existed and that he was going to be in this episode, apparently. I don't know how people knew that, but I've, like some people in the Star Wars community kind of knew. But when I saw him, I was like, oh, he's this skinny guy. He's, he's not wearing the full Boba Fett get-up. So I was like, oh, that's not him. And I was right. So he, he got Boba's armor off some Jawas. We don't yet know how the Jawas came upon it, but that's where he got it, right? And he wears it. And he protects this small town from, you know, Tuscan raiders. And he freed them from being occupied by this mining uh, group of people, I guess. And, yeah, he's, he's a good guy. And he wears the armor just for its, you know, ability to sort of protect him. And he used to protect the town, right? That's his deal. Um, so we, we introduced to his character who I like a lot. And then we are introduced to the crate dragon. So Vanth and Mando are having this almost Mexican standoff. And then they stop it because the earth starts to shake because this crate dragon is rolling through town, right? And what a crate dragon is, it's this sand dwelling sort of, I don't know. It's this big sort of worm, shaped thing but it is not a worm it is much nastier than that it's actually the carcass that c-3po walks past in a new hope when he's wandering through the desert all alone that big long snake skeleton thing that is a crate dragon right? they are apparently native to tatooine but yeah um there's a similar creature in rebels in season two, I think, a creature that uh, the three clones capture. I do not believe it is the same uh, creature. It could be, but as far as I know, they are only native to Tatooine, and that's not on Tatooine, but it's a kind of similar. It's another little thing that if you've seen Rebels, you go like, oh, it's kind of like that. It's a nice little reminder. But I think the crate dragon might, but now that we've seen a full one in live action, this might be the coolest creature in Star Wars to date. It looks amazing. They have absolutely blown their CGI budget for the whole season on this episode. This creature looked amazing. And the, the, their ability to show its size... There's actually a whole funny little scene about the scale 
of of the not like its scale, like the size, you know, of the beast, and the way that like a lot of times when you get, you know, a TV show or a movie that has a monster in it, they might like show the monster at night time, or they might show the monster obscured, so as to save on special effects. There is this big sequence at the end of the episode. This big end battle sequence set in the middle of the day and you can see the whole creature right they they have put so much work into this thing looking good right i've never watched game of thrones but i know that the game of thrones dragons look fucking amazing and that is how good this thing looked it looked so bloody good it's one of the things that made this episode probably the best episode of the mandalorian that we've had so far another cool thing about the crate dragons is so, so they go to where this thing lives it's cave and i can't remember who says it but one of the, one of them goes oh it's an abandoned sarlacc pit and then another one goes there is no such thing as an abandoned sarlacc pit and then mando goes there is if you eat the sarlacc so that means that crate dragons eat what we previously thought was about the most mean monster in the Star Wars universe, they'll eat a Sarlacc, right? Which made me think, I wonder if that is how Boba Fett was able to escape. Maybe he fell into the Sarlacc pit and he was not there for very long. And then a crate dragon came along and started eating the Sarlacc and that allowed him to escape in one way or another. I wonder if that's what happened. I'm sure we're going to find out, but that was a really, really interesting thing for me to think about. Oh, and they spit acid as well. They spit acid that melts everybody. The thing melts a whole bunch of people. Yeah, really, really great creature. And the whole end sequence where, you know, the two of them are using their jetpacks to fight the thing and, and, you know... It, it just and it's like popping out of the mountain and then out of the dunes behind them like what an amazing opening episode to this season two that season one was season one was i think mandalorian light i think this season and the show moving forward is gonna be what john favreau and dave filoni want disney was like all right we're gonna give you just a little bit of money, get this first season out. We'll see how much people like Baby Yoda or whatever. And everyone's gone crazy. So they're right, now you can have all of the money. Make the show that you want to make. So that's what it seems like they've done. And it's got me so excited. I both love and hate that I have to wait a whole week for the next episode. I hate it because a week's a really long time. But I also love it because it means... Watching this show is going to be stretched out over eight weeks, which really, really gets me excited. Um, it's going to run right up until the end of the year, won't it? Yeah, it will. Wow. Okay. Um, and then at the very, very end of the episode, we get the little cameo from Tamura Morrison playing Boba Fett, who, except for maybe in voice roles, he has never played before so he played Django Fett 
in the prequels, which is Boba's dad, but now he's playing an adult Boba Fett, Boba Fett who has escaped the Sarlacc pit, somehow lost his um, Mandalorian armor. We still don't know if that's who we saw at the end of episode five of season one on Tatooine. We still don't know if that's him, but we I'm thinking it was. Um, and he's looking like he could be a baddie in this season. Like, obviously, Boba Fett was a baddie before, but he's got all these scars on his face. He was scowling. He was watching Mando ride off into the sunset with his armor. So, I don't know. He's, he's looking like it's going to be a really, really interesting confrontation between the two of them. Um, oh, yeah, this, this... That's that's about it for the whole episode. Gee, it was... Oh, one more thing. One more... Oh, Jesus, I bumped the microphone. One more thing I completely forgot. I didn't even realise this until the third time I watched this episode tonight. So, Cobb Vanth has this really, really cool speeder that he's made out of one engine of a pod racer. Like, imagine... So, think of... Very specifically, think of Anakin's pod racer, right? From a fan, from Phantom Menace. It's got like the whole, the, the seat, right? And then it's got the two engines connected on either side, right? I am pretty certain that the speeder bike that Vanth has made is out of one of the engines of Anakin's pod racer. Because it has the very distinct exposed wiring and it's got the the yellow flaps at the front. It looks exactly like Anakin's pod racer. If that is the case, that's another amazing Easter egg to put in this episode. And I think that's a really cool thing to end on. So I'll wrap it up now. I'm going to keep doing these episode reviews every week as the season comes out. And I'm just going to be more and more giddy every time I come on thanks heaps for listening guys if, if you if you're a Star Wars fan and you're not on the Mandalorian even just get a, 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 a you know you get a free week I think when you sign up to Disney Plus you get the first week for free or might even the first month I don't know get on Disney Plus and watch the Mandalorian it is TV is the future of Star Wars at the moment and going off this first episode, this second season is going to be really, really special Star Wars stuff. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. I'll catch you next time. Bye.